Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good, Elliot. How are you doing? I'm good, too. Um, I was on vacation last week as we talked, and uh, it was very restful. And now, um, you know, back catching up, but that's, uh, that's part of the cost of going on vacation. Yeah, back catching up and realizing we have to be strong about defending our law enforcement partners from verbal and physical assault, unfortunately. But that's, that's for another uh, podcast or webinar. Yeah, uh, but fully agree with that. So when I got back, I was looking at uh, email and things, and I noticed that the Federal Reserve issued a new uh, supervisory letter, 22-6, that's focused on um, how, how banks and other uh, banking organizations, things they should think about when they're engaging in uh, activities related to crypto assets. I wonder if you saw that. I did, um, and I think it's pretty uh, important to note that all the banking agencies, obviously in the Treasury Department, have been pretty vocal about crypto-related issues for, for a couple of years. So obviously there's both a concern and an interest in s- staying ahead and staying educated. So this is definitely consistent with that. Um, so I think that that... Uh, they built off the statement, that interagency statement that was issued a few months ago. And as you said, that the Fed has this specific supervisory letter. And I noticed a couple things about it. In our world, it, it talks about how the crypto asset sector um, can pose risks for a whole host of things, but including money laundering and uh, terrorist financing. And, and that is also something uh, that we continue to struggle with, both law enforcement and our community, because as they say in the letter, crypto assets have limited transparency. So sometimes very difficult to track ownership. So that's one. And But obviously, there's a number of other areas that they think are risky. Yes. Yeah, so um, as a starting point, I thought it was interesting to use the phrase crypto assets, and then in, they have a bunch of footnotes. And in the definition, it's very broad. It's sort of anything that uses uh, uh, cryptography technology. Um, so we're talking about, um, you know, not just the currencies, but other forms of crypto assets that are uh, becoming available in the marketplace. Um, uh, they also talk about the need for organizations to have the technology capability and the operational capability to manage the risks that arise from being in this space. They talk about you know, reminding everybody that uh, banks need to operate in a safe and sound manner and that they have consumer protection obligations, all of which they have to, you know, they have to look at these new activities that they're um, getting into or evaluating through those lenses. Right. And they, in terms of stability, they say, they specifically call out stable coins. And they said that's adopted at a large scale. That also poses a risk to stability um, through runs and disruptions in the payment system. But going back to your point on consumer protection, that's always an issue for the financial sector, right? To make sure you're protecting 
your your customers, uh, but they have a whole list of things that they believe uh, are potential negative aspects of crypto assets: fraud, a loss of assets. Um, you know, again, compliance risk and, and a whole host of things. So, you know, cl clearly they've been doing a lot of work in this space and just trying to make sure that. Uh, financial institutions are going into this with their eyes wide open. Yes, absolutely. Uh, another piece, and it's a little, it's not the core of what you and I normally talk about, but because this is a supervisory letter, they do remind institutions, both bank holding companies and uh, banks that they supervise, that, that those institutions need to work their way through the um, authorized activity analysis. So because each of the different types of crypto assets and the activities you might be involved with, um, whether it's custody or facilitation of customer purchases and sales, loan collateralization using crypto assets or payment related activities, you need to work your way through the various regulations that apply to you and, and determine whether it's a permissible activity. And then to the extent it is, follow the rules, whether it's advance notice and, and uh, approval or notice within so many days of starting or requesting clarity that it isn't a, a, a permissible activity. Um, they also point to everybody, everybody to the fact that there are possibly state laws that may apply or other federal law, because again, at the moment um, in the U.S., the SEC is viewing cryptocurrencies, um, at least in some situations, as to be securities. So you've got a, an entirely separate regime of regulation that you have to be aware of, and that's, again, a compliance risk issue. You know, we, we talked about this before the uh, before our conversation, and that's the um, the process of alerting your regulator, your examiner to what you're doing. And it's always sort of been my view that regardless of what the the regs or the particular product is, it certainly makes a lot of sense from a communication standpoint, if nothing else, but certainly from a legal standpoint when required to alert the your your uh, supervisor as to new products and services. I mean, we also have all, always debated internally, making sure the compliance staff is well aware of something before you release a product to the public, which used to be more of an issue than I think it is today. But I also uh, looked at this um, statement as the notification part of it is sort of twofold, right? The notification is um, let, uh, you know, let your supervisor know that you're engaged in crypto asset related activity if you already are and you haven't done that yet, obviously let them know if you're planning to. But also they say in the statement that the Federal Reserve staff sh will, not should, will provide relevant supervisory feedback as appropriate in a timely manner. So putting a little bit of the onus on the regulators to say, hey, this is what we're planning to do. This is what we put in place. To your point, here's all the, the laws and regulations that we think cover what we're trying to accomplish and then getting that. Uh, I, I'd say more than feedback, but getting that response back from your regulator. And as you also mentioned, if there's a state issue, the state member banks are encouraged to notify their state regulator. So the bottom line is this is sort of both sides have an obligation here. 
Uh, I think a lot of this happens generally already, but I think this is pretty clear. This is much more important given the confusion about crypto assets um, and some, some crypto assets are equal, uh, some are not, you know, that sort of thing, uh, than any other product. So as I look at that, I, I'm, I'm taking that as a direction, open up the lines of communication broader than they've ever been. Make sure you have that day-to-day dialogue with your examiners and your supervisors, and just make sure you're, you know exactly what you're doing before you decide to go down this road. Agreed. Um, yeah, when I was, uh, uh, at a financial institution and involved in dealing with our regulators on an ongoing basis, uh, particularly anti-money laundering space, but across the board, you know, this, our standard approach was no surprises. You don't want the regulators to first find out you're doing something new and particularly something new that is of um, high visibility and under a lot of scrutiny uh, when they first show up at the next exam. You should be able to have a communication channel open, as you discussed, and be able to walk them through the process you're going through to evaluate the risk, to get your compliance and operations teams on board, how you're going to explain it to the customers, how you're going to put the guardrails around what you are going to do and what you're not going to do, um, and how you're going to manage all that. And that really, and that process is good discipline for really being ready to launch a new product, whether it's something as new and and potentially complicated as crypto assets, or whether it's something that's more, that's a more traditional mainstream product that you haven't offered before. Yeah. And I would just end uh, my part of this by saying, as I look at the statement, the one thing I would have done differently is I probably would have underlined this one sentence that's sort of in the middle of it. And that's given the heightened and novel risks posed by crypto assets. The Federal Reserve is closely monitoring related developments and banking organizations' participation in crypto asset-related activities. That's clearly, obviously, what they're doing, but that's why communication is, is just so essential. Yeah, so my last comment would be um, that they, they also call out in the supervisory letter that this uh, guidance applies to banks and bank holding companies of all sizes. So sometimes there are things that apply only to the smaller bank holding companies or only to the larger, meaning over $10 billion uh, in assets. But uh, this one clearly calls out that it's all bank holding companies. And I think the scrutiny of smaller institutions will likely be higher because of the concern about whether they actually have the operational capability to get into some of these more complicated spaces. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, just uh, as we close this down, I just want to remind folks that August 25th at one o'clock Eastern time will be our next uh, live webinar. And that's on AML, CFT and transparency. What are the challenges? We will discuss the global focus on transparency. Also the status of some US-based uh, legislation specifically regarding uh, what we're calling euphemistically enablers. And so we will have uh, a practicing lawyer from the formerly from the Justice Department, as well as a, um, uh, a staffer from the uh, Transparency International has done a lot of work in this space. So uh, that is, again, August 25th, one o'clock Eastern time. OK, John, I know you're going to travel a little bit. So drive carefully to your next uh, event and we will talk next week. Sounds good. Take care. 
All right. Bye-bye.